Good morning. All right, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 1. So as you keep turning there, as Spence just reminded us, you can grab your notes, hopefully your scripture journal. If you got one of those in the foyer, you can follow along with us, take notes. Great to carry us through. We're going to be in Matthew for a bit. So uh, that'll be helpful as we keep going. You can look back on notes, what God's shown you, what he's reminded you of. And we're going to walk our way through the last part of chapter 1 today. But how great a reminder was that last song we just sang? God will not fail you. So we can remember that as we go through whatever it is that you've gone through this week. I I don't know what most of you have gone through, um, but whatever it is, he won't fail you. So stay focused on that foundation. Stay focused on what we see today as we look at God fulfilling a promise made in Matthew chapter 1. And that's really where we're going to take our time today in verse 18 through 25. We follow up last week as we walked through a genealogy, a list of names, but really more than a list of names last week. It was a list of heritage. It was a list of heritage of God's people, and it was a list of a promise that we see today being fulfilled, that the Messiah, Jesus, the Savior of the world, would come from that specific line of David that God had promised to Abraham hundreds and hundreds of years before. That, that kind of a promise, not only remembered for all those generations, but perfectly fulfilled after all those generations, can only be done by a loving God who will never change. And that's really what we look at today as we look at this passage. We're reminded of the fact that God always does what he promises to do. And it may not be in our particular timing. And and as we come to this particular section of Scripture, uh, this is one you usually read at Christmas, right? So uh, we talked a little bit this week. uh, uh, We decided not to do any Christmas songs. Uh, We're going to hold those. We'll do those in a couple months. But, But this story of the birth of Christ is, it's more than a Christmas time section of Scripture. This is the foundation on which our faith is founded on. That God promised to save the world, and he did. And and everything else is simply before that pointing to it, and after that till today coming from it. This is the pivotal point in human history, is the life of Christ that we're going to study as we go throughout Matthew's Gospel. And as we see, it's, it's almost like a play, and, and I, I don't go to a ton of plays, but I've been to some, okay? And it's like a play, and the curtains are drawn, but there's sometimes somebody comes out in front and starts to introduce for you what's going to happen, right? And they, they walk you through maybe the backstory, and, and they get you prepared for what's about to occur behind that curtain. And then as that person walks off stage, those curtains open, and what you've been thinking about and picturing and, and what's been working in your mind and your imagination, all of a sudden you see it. And that's what we have here in Matthew chapter 1. That the people of God, particularly Israel, the Jews, have been waiting, reading, praying for, committing themselves to the coming Messiah. And they were, for generations, looking forward to this exact moment that happens in Matthew chapter 1. I want you to notice a couple things as we dig into these 
these verses, notice in this particular section of Scripture, notice the faithfulness of the man and the woman that God chose to be integral to this part of his story. Key figures in the fulfillment of his promise. Notice that. We're going to talk about Mary and Joseph. And as you do, and as you notice their faithfulness and how they conducted themselves, then ask yourself this. Do I believe that every disciple of Jesus is called to be part of God fulfilling his promise? Because what's the promise he made to Abraham in Genesis 12? In Genesis 12, God promised to Abraham that through him, through his seed, through, through the coming seed, which is fulfilled here in Jesus, all the nations of the world, and literally that word nations is more families, all the families of the world will be blessed. And Jesus, in, when he comes here, he begins the fulfillment of that. And then he gives it to us. We're supposed to take this message that we read today to everywhere so that all the families of the world are blessed in him. So are you ready? Are you ready to do that? As we read today and you look at Mary and Joseph and their, their faithfulness and their character and their response to a very difficult situation. And as they respond to it, are you ready to respond? What has God called you to do? Who has he put you around? What lives have, has he called you to impact with this truth here? That God promised to save the world and he did. So as we look and we observe and we walk our way through, let's ask the Lord to help us be obedient and faithful to his calling. Not just read this story and go home thinking, that's amazing. And I'm glad we read it today. <laughs> but we should be saying, that is amazing. And it changes my life and everything around me. And we go and we act as Mary and Joseph did in this particular passage when confronted with difficulty, obedient and faithful. So I'm actually not going to read Matthew chapter 1 first. We're going to go to Isaiah. So turn to Isaiah chapter 7. All right, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 10 is where we're going to start today because as we focus today on the promise fulfilled, we have to know what the promise was. And where it came from. In Isaiah chapter 7, God promises something. And the circumstances in which he's promising it are very interesting. He, he's talking to Ahaz. And, and he sends Isaiah to go talk to Ahaz. And in this particular setting, Ahaz is about to be attacked. Ahaz is the king of God's people, and he's about to be attacked. He knows the attack is coming. He knows they're all getting ready to do it. They're going to come from multiple places towards them. And Ahaz is not only fearful, but he's trying to make a plan and figure out a plan on his own. And what God does through Isaiah is he sends Ahaz a sign. Now, it's interesting how Ahaz responds. Ahaz actually rejects the sign, doesn't want to hear it. So that doesn't stop the work of the Lord. Instead, God tells Isaiah, then give it to all the people, not just Ahaz. That's an interesting picture, huh? A sign from God being rejected by those he sent it to, and therefore going to all of the world. I think we've heard this story before, right? It's unique how this thread of God's faithfulness goes throughout all of history. 
So let's read Isaiah chapter 10. We're going to read 10 through 14 as this promise that's given, that's fulfilled later in Matthew chapter 1. It says this in Isaiah 7:10. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. He said, ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. This promise from the book of Isaiah is what we see in Matthew chapter 1, 18 through 25, coming to fruition. The fulfillment of God's promise, all the way back to Ahaz. And now you got to think through for this for a second. Ahaz is about to be attacked. He's going to be at war. And he's looking for a sign from the Lord. And the sign from the Lord is, there'll be a baby born of a virgin. Okay, well, put yourself in Ahaz's shoes, right? That's great, God, I'm, I'm happy for that. I'm looking more for lightning to consume all our enemies right now. How about that sign? Right? But in our earthly filter that we, we don't see clearly, what happens when this message goes from Ahaz to all of the people of God? The people of God are reminded of something. This is not a first-time promise to God's people. God's people had been raised in the understanding that there would one day be a Messiah. And as they were about to go into a, a battlefield here, horribly outnumbered, the reminder is God's going to fix everything. That, that's what this statement, that's what the promise of a baby born to a virgin and calling him Emmanuel, God with us, is what that word Emmanuel means. And when the people of God, Ahaz and all of the people who are about to go into a battle scene, are reminded from Isaiah, the words of the Lord, there is a Savior. That changes your perspective, doesn't it? And the reason I want to start in this particular passage is because we ever, before we ever get into Matthew 1, 18 through 25, I want you to ask yourself this question. Do I understand how the birth of the Messiah, how Jesus, God with us, putting on flesh and bone to save us from our sins, affects every situation that you're in? It affects every situation. I'm sure Ahaz... We're not, it's not recorded, thank goodness, right? If all our awkward thoughts were recorded, we'd have a problem. But I'm sure Ahaz probably said, I, I don't see how that's going to help us right now. Right? I'm, I'm, I'm happy for it. Maybe he, maybe he was grateful for a reminder. There's a Messiah coming. He's born of a virgin. Awesome. But in the moment, he's probably thinking, I'm looking for a rally cry. I'm not sure that was it. Because that's our human nature. To not understand how the promises of God that affect all of eternity, past and present and future affect every situation that you're in today. The difficulty you have at work, the hardship you're having at home, the health challenges that you're experiencing, 
loss, grief, mourning, financial difficulties. Do you really believe that the birth of Jesus changes those things? Or are they in some separate category that you're looking for a different answer from God for? This is why I believe this promise is so important. Because God's promise fulfilled is more important. This one here of Jesus being born miraculously the way that God promised and intended and carried out as the Savior of the world, Emmanuel, God with us, this promise fulfilled is the most important promise God will ever fulfill for you or me. All the other ones that you're looking for are probably from your flesh. Lord, I thought I'd have a better, better life here. I thought, I thought this situation would work out better. I thought, you know, I'd be more successful. I, I, I thought people would like me more. And you're looking for those other promises from God. And what God wants you to understand is this is the most important promise. Everything else pales in comparison. So as we look at Matthew chapter 1, 18 through 25, keep that encouragement held because the promise fulfilled here is the promise from Isaiah chapter 7. And in the moment, I'm sure there was some of God's people that thought, I, I don't know how that helps right now. And what I hope that we walk away with today is understanding how this helps right now. How it helps you today, this morning. How it helps you this afternoon and as you prepare for your, your week going into Monday. This promise helps. It changes things. And it is the foundation on which God has called us to stand. So let's read our verses and we'll dig in. That was a long intro. Okay. But it's important. It's backstory. And what we're seeing here in Matthew is the curtain is opening up. And if the curtain opens up and you see something, if you don't have the context, you think, oh, that's a neat scene. But you don't know why that scene is so vitally important. Because for thousands of years, people had been looking for this very moment. Isaiah, or Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 says this. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man, unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit, and she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took his wife. But he knew her not until she had been given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. Amen. Joseph and Mary here are in the middle of a very interesting circumstance. One that if we saw unfold today, we'd probably have some thoughts about. 
dare I say that we probably would be judging Mary. When Mary was faithful, and we don't see Mary's story unfolded here the most in, in Matthew for us, but in the other Gospels, we see a little bit more of Mary's story. She too was scared, not just Joseph. But when the angel appeared to her, she also had a similar reaction of fear. But her faith was credited to her. And she followed through on what God said. Even though I am sure, I mean, Folks, remember, these are actual people like you and me, okay? And imagine if God said this to you. I, I think I'd probably ask for a repeat. Say that again? What? I must have misheard the part of that that really throws me off. <laughs> But what we see here, particularly from Joseph, but Mary's faithfulness is listed in other places. And as, as Joseph enters into this particular situation that he could have had legally and even righteously within his faith and amongst the Jews, he could have responded in a different way. He responds in a particular way because of his character and obedience. This promised Messiah was the promise that had always, in different seasons, brought hope to the people of God. As we look here, there's very serious obstacles in front of Joseph and Mary, right? And these obstacles are overwhelming. Yet, they listened to what God had said, and they obeyed in faith, even though I'm sure it did not make total sense to them. They obeyed in faith. This is why faith is so important, because faith does not always make sense. If it always makes sense and it all the, th the pieces add up and then you engage in what God's called you to do, that's not faith. That's just following what you know. They followed in faith. This had to blow Joseph's mind. I mean, he's going through all kinds of emotions right now, right? We have to remember that this custom, it says betrothed here. It says, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, and this is not a word we use often, right? But the betrothal process in, in the Jewish faith, it was, it's not like what we see as engagement. Like, you enter an engagement, you're not, you're not married yet until you get married. Betrothal in their day and age, in the ancient times with the Jews, when, once you were betrothed, you were just like married. Just hadn't had the, the whole ceremony and things yet. But the betrothal period from the time, and historically what would happen is uh, a man's parents would seek out a young lady and talk with her parents, and the parents would arrange this betrothal. And the betrothal period was then the time when these two would get to know each other, if they didn't already, and also where the man would prepare for life as a married husband and potentially father. He had to go find some land. He had to build a house. That's the betrothal period. He's preparing. He's making sure that he has a living that could support a wife and a family. But in the betrothal period, they're, they're already linked. They're hooked. This is it. And Joseph, because he was betrothed, I'm sure Joseph is off preparing for a family. He's working hard. He's building a house. 
He's preparing land to support them. And then he gets this news. See, Mary had been gone, remember? When, when Mary comes back here, she had been gone for probably about four months. Because we know from the Gospel of Luke that Mary spent at least three months with Elizabeth. So after the angel appeared to Mary and, and the Holy Spirit conceived a child within her, she went to see Elizabeth, her relative, until Elizabeth gave birth. And in Luke, it tells us that was about three months that she was with him, with, with Elizabeth, until she came back. Now, at four months pregnant, what happens? People start to notice, right? But by that time, it says, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child. Literally, everybody knew she was pregnant now. And, and now Joseph is put in this situation. He has the, the fulfillment of this promise from Isaiah chapter 7 and all of God's people before him that were looking forward to this particular moment, and yet he is caught in an earthly circumstance that looks earth-shattering to him. Because during a betrothal period, he had changed his whole life for this. And now he finds out the woman that he's betrothed to is pregnant, and he knows it's not him. This is complicated for Mary and Joseph. I think sometimes we read through the, the story of Jesus' birth and we just kind of, we, we know it, we've heard it so many times that we just kind of like read it through or hear it and, and think, yup, that's what happened. Jesus came. I mean, Joseph is in an impossible place right here. He loves this woman. He's committed to her. He's been betrothed to her. He's building his whole life around them, building a family together. And now she comes back from a relative's house and she's obviously pregnant. That's a problem. Now, I know in our world and particularly with most human beings, there's a way you would respond to that particular moment. And, and it wells up emotions. And what we see here is the character of a godly man. Joseph was acting with godly character before the angel showed up and explained it to him. So here's one of the lessons we have to walk away from this passage with. You don't need to wait for God to have some sort of revelatory epiphany in your life for you to be faithful. J Joseph was faithful right here because how did he respond? He was within his rights, within Jewish law and history. He was within his rights to actually, if you go back to Deuteronomy, where the law's kind of laid out, she could be stoned to death. Now, Joseph, he obviously wasn't going to do that, but not only was he not going to do that, he also was not going to embarrass her. So how does he respond? Verse 19. It says, her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, Resolved to divorce her quietly. He, he immediately said, I'm sure he had emotions all over the place. I'm sure he had some anger and some feelings about this, right? But what he said, what it says is he's a just man. So he stopped and said, all right, I'm hurting this. I've obviously been wronged. 
I don't like this situation, but I am not going to shame this woman that I love. I mean, he had every right to in, in, within the law, within society. He could have responded in a myriad of ways that would have been well within totally acceptable cultural responses. And it probably would have ended up with Mary being shamed, shunned, persecuted. But he says, no, I'm not going to do that. But at the same time, I'm not sure I can go through with this marriage. So I'm going to find a way to quietly, without putting her to shame, we will part ways. I'm going to figure out how to do that. He says that's what he resolved to do. Character in the midst of diversity. Character. God often entrusts his biggest assignments to those who are already faithful. Already faithful. Don't wait for something huge to happen for you to follow God. Here's here's a secret. That huge thing, it already happened. Jesus. There's, There's no other huge thing you need in order to be a recipient of evidence that God loves you and always fulfills his promises and has moved heaven and earth to save you from your sins. That big thing is done. That's those three words Jesus says from the cross. It is finished. The biggest thing that could ever happen to you to encourage your obedience and faithfulness already happened. And Joseph knew about God's love. He knew about God's character because he was a well-versed Jewish man. He had studied the Old Testament scriptures. He understood the law of God. He saw how God provided throughout Israel's past constantly and with grace and forgiveness and redemption for God's people over and over and over and over. So the question for us is the same today. If we know the story of God and his character and the ways in which he has already done what we needed, don't hold out for something else in order to be obedient and faithful. It says he resolved quietly. He was unwilling to put her to shame. Verse 20, but as he considered these things, that's an interesting phrase. It says he came to a conclusion. He was resolved. So he had made a decision about what to do next, right? He was resolved in what was going to happen. He did not want to shame her, but he still was going to figure out a way for this to part. But he didn't act quickly. Another good character example for us. Very confusing circumstance for Joseph. He resolved what he was going to do in in, in a just way that, that was helpful. As helpful as I think he could probably figure out for her in this moment. And then he didn't just go and do it. What does it say he does? He considered these things. He was patient and thoughtful. Because even after he made a decision, he sat with the Lord on it. And as he sat with the Lord, this is what happens. As he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. What? 
This has never happened before in the course of human history. It's not something where God said it to him and he's like, oh, yeah, I've heard of that. No. God said it and he's like, oh, no, I've never heard of that. But being a godly man and having character that was supposed to follow through on things in, in relation to the information he had about who God was and what he knew about God's character and what God had always done, I'm guessing that Isaiah chapter 7 and this promise that God's people kept going back to for thousands of years and, and this promise of a coming Messiah probably popped in at some point into his mind after he got blown away by the fact that there was an angel talking to him first. And secondly, that he was talking about his, his betrothed wife, who was already pregnant. All of that, once that comes down in his mind, I'm sure that Isaiah 7 popped into his brain. And the Lord reminded him, I've promised this, remember? And then I'm sure as he heard the angel say it, he thought, well, okay. <laughs> I do remember that promise. I do know that God always upholds his promises. Therefore, I don't need to question the fact that God is telling me I'm doing it right now. Verse 21, he goes on and says, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Right here. The fulfilled promise of God that all of creation and every human being has always been waiting for, whether we know it or not. The opportunity to be saved from our sins. Because your sins are what break everything in your life. They break everything. They only bring destruction. Satan has one plan for bringing sin into your life and encouraging you to follow sin that's in your flesh heart already. And that is that you would walk willingly to your demise. Because that's what sin does. And Jesus comes, and the announcement of his arrival is this phrase. Call him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. He will save his people from their sins. This is that event you've been looking for. That this is that miraculous revelation that's supposed to change your life, that you've been waiting for? It's Jesus. And if you didn't know it already, please know it now. Him coming to save you from your sins changes everything. And it changed everything for Joseph. He's trying to figure out how to get out of this and divorce quietly. He's already resolved to it, but he decided, I know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to sit with the Lord and let him talk to me. And guess what? God did. And he said, no, this is what I want you to do. And Matthew uses right coming out of this, this angelic quote to Joseph this is Matthew's calling card in verse 22. We're going to see this throughout our study in the book of Matthew. His calling card is this. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken. That this is Matthew's calling card. Over 12 times, depending on your translation, upwards of maybe even 15 times throughout the, the gospel of Matthew, this phrase happens. This happened to fulfill what God had said. 
So one of the main themes we need to understand as we walk our way through this book of the Bible is God fulfills his promises. The first one Matthew highlights is the most important one. The Messiah has come. James 1, verses 19 through 20 says this. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Joseph embodied that right here. Slow to speak. I'm sure Joseph had a few things to say about this scenario. Don't you think? I know I would. I'd have a number of questions. I'd probably also be inclined toward anger because my life just got turned upside down and it wasn't because of me. But what does Joseph do? He embodies what God gives us later in the book of James. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Why? Because you do not achieve God's righteousness that way. But when you are quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, God wants to work through you in that, like he does for Joseph. Because Joseph paused and said, I got a few things I'd like to do right now, but I'm going to sit for a second instead. And I'm going to ask the Lord to talk to me. And God does. And he explains the situation, and then he tells him exactly what to do. Stay with her. When the baby is born, name him Jesus. And you'll know exactly what that means. He's come to save his people from their sins. Verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken. Verse 23, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. That quote from Isaiah, ringing in Joseph's ears, right? Now, every week we get together and we open God's word. And we learn from it together. And we sing about his goodness. But when we do that, there's a part to that where we are also called to respond to it and live in a particular way. This is not just an information session that we're in today. This is the God of the universe talking to you and talking to me. Reminding us that Jesus came to save his people from their sins, and that is the most important thing that will ever happen. And because of that, we are called to respond in a particular way. Joseph was called to respond in a particular way to this truth. And we have the recording of what Joseph did. The challenge is, are you up for it? Are you up for it? Are you going to respond the way that Joseph did here? Verse 24, when Joseph woke from sleep, you following with me? It's not up here on my face. Look at your Bible or any Bible that's in front of you or your app or your scripture journal, something. And look at these words. He did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. 
Doesn't say he asked a bunch of questions. Doesn't say he continued to kind of ruminate on these things in his mind. Doesn't say he went back to the reflection period he was at before God spoke to him. It says God spoke to him and he did it. That's it. I'm reading this passage and I'm studying my way through and asking the Lord, one, first to convict my heart and lead me and then hopefully lead all of us in a direction that reflects somewhat of the character that Joseph has here. And I'm reminded of a little magnet that I think I've talked to you about before. It was on my grandfather and grandmother's fridge when I was a kid. I could see it in my head. It was this little red magnet with yellow writing on it. And the words on the yellow ma- on the, in the yellow writing said, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. That's all it said. Sitting on my grandparents' fridge. Saw it all the time when I was a kid. And I remember watching, like my grandparents, but not only them, but other faithful people in the church living that way, like Joseph here. God says it. He believes it. There's nothing else to do with that. God said it. Therefore, I'm going to go do it. How often do we do battle with God, right? We stay up late at night arguing with him over things. <laughs> we wake up in the morning still unsettled. We say, oh, I'll pray about it again tonight. <laughs> no. That's fine when you're not sure what God's saying to you. But there are a number of things we're pretty sure about. They don't need to be questioned and, and, and wrestled with and, and embattled over. They just need to be done. And not in a legalistic way, in a way where, as I'm sure Joseph did, I understand God's grace is the best thing that ever happened to me. So when he tells me to do something, I'm going to trust him. I'm going to trust him. He, he's my firm foundation. We just sang about it. Okay. Now, so you don't get the wrong impression, I don't do that every time. I would hope to. I aspire to. I know people as well that do it more often than I do. And that's where I want to grow in maturity. And it's hopefully what all of our hearts should be. To respond like Joseph here. God fulfills his promise and Joseph changes his life. That's it. He totally changed direction. He was going to put her away quietly, trying to do the best thing in his own righteousness, right? Best thing he could figure out. I don't want to do something unrighteous or unjust to her. I'm going to do this quietly. We'll save face. She won't be shamed her whole life. We'll figure this out. God says, no, do this. And he says, okay. I'll do that. He did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to his son, and he called his name Jesus. That's it. God said it. Joseph believed it. That settled it in his mind. So he went and did it. What is that that God is telling you to do today? Maybe you're in a place where you have never put your faith in the fact that Jesus came to save you from your sins. Well, the evidence is so clear that he loves you. And he's here to save you. Not to condemn you, but to set you free. Do it today. 
maybe you've been walking with Jesus for a while and, and you know these truths and this is not new to you and you're, you might be thinking in your head, Pastor Rob, I've heard this story a hundred times, more than a hundred times actually, if you've lived long enough. But I do want us to ask that question today. What is it he's telling you to do? I'll tell you one thing he's telling you to do. Go and make disciples. Why? Well, at the end of this particular gospel, he makes that fairly clear. Jump to chapter 28. If you don't know what I'm talking about, feel free to read the end. Go and make disciples. Are you doing that? He's made that abundantly clear. It's not something to be argued about. It's not even, you can't, it's not a nuance. It's very direct. Because of what he has done, we are called to go tell people all that he has done. So maybe you're struggling with that. Maybe you're debating with God. Maybe your point in life, you think you're too busy to go make disciples. Maybe you're going through a hard time and you're thinking, nah, I get through this season, then I'll go do it. You don't think Joseph was going through a hard time? His whole life just got torpedoed. And God said, this is what I want you to do. And he said, okay. And he did That kind of faith is what the people of God should be marked by. So let's ask the Lord to help us do that. And I don't know or pretend to know what that is for you, how he's called you to make disciples. But I am convinced that you probably know. And if you don't know, please come ask somebody. Come talk to me. Come talk to one of our staff. Come talk to somebody who's been a spiritual mentor in your life and ask that question. I know God's told me to make disciples because that's clear. I don't know how. Okay, great. See, God didn't leave Joseph hanging, just say, go take your wife, stay with her. He told him how to do it. You're going to stick with her. She's going to bear a son. You're going to name him Jesus. Oh, okay. That's clear. We'll do that. So if you don't know how, find out how. But if you do know how, Don't debate with the Lord over what he's clearly called you to do. Just commit to doing it. Joseph didn't know how the end was going to work out. He probably thought, okay, God, but some people are going to have an issue with this. (laughs) There's going to be some questions asked. I'm probably going to get ridiculed and made fun of. And yeah, all those things happened. But it didn't change what God told him to do. And Joseph stuck it out. And followed the Lord, and he was obedient and faithful. Jesus and Emmanuel are the two names that are given to us here in this passage. Emmanuel reminds us that God is with us. Jesus reminds us that he has come to save us. So take those two truths, and let's leave this morning different than when we got here. Just like Joseph did. He left that conversation with the angel of the Lord Different than he walked into it. And then he went and did it. So let's ask the Lord for help as we do. Because as we go forward and we walk our way through this particular gospel of Matthew that God gave us, there's a bunch of stuff that Jesus is going to teach us. And I would hate for it to fall on our ears and for us to willingly defy it and not follow him. So let's commit now to following what he's going to teach us as we go forward.